0: Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the Yankees Magazine Podcast. I'm Hillary Georgie. Joining me, as always, is Nathan Makaborski. Hello. And John Schwartz. Hello. Not joining us today is quarterback Russell Wilson, who is now a Yankee. But maybe a- one day a- we'll get him on the pod. He is a co-worker of ours now. He is <laughs> one of our co-workers, and it's very exciting. Fingers crossed.
1: It's <laughs> an important question for everybody before we get started here. Am I the only one who stayed up until one thirty in the morning watching Carly on TV? Oh, I am?
2: Weird. You guys missed out.
0: <laughs> uh, that's an affirmative, John.
2: Uh, I'm holding out for the... Uh, I like the ski jumping. Those guys are nuts.
1: Can I say something possibly controversial? This is very off-brand for me. I actually greatly
2: dislike ski jumping.
1: Really?
0: What?
1: I know. It just seems like it should be so much better than it actually is.
0: Oh, You're talking about the one where they literally just launch themselves in a straight line. And then, and then land. Well,
2: they do all kinds of flips and stuff. No, oh, no, no, that's you're about aerials. Yeah, that's oh. aerials oh. are oh, awesome. Sorry.
0: Ski jumping. The trials were on this morning, and I was watching them. I'm like, this is just they're they're launching off a ramp. It's not that much fun to watch.
1: It's just brutal to watch because what you should be watching is who goes down this giant hill and lands the farthest away. But it can't just be that. You need to factor in things like the wind. So it just it ends up being this judged competition. And I guess there's less judging now, but still, it's just like. I like primal Olympic sports. I like who goes the furthest, who jumps the farthest, who runs the fastest, who goes down the hill the fastest. Some, anytime you get judges involved is where
2: you kind of lose me. I'm always impressed by the announcers, too, because there's just such a like wealth of information that they have and that they have to know. So I always find myself like getting sucked into like cross-country skiing just because they have so much time. That they're like giving you the backstory, like the whole biography of some of these guys, because they, you know, they got like an hour to talk about it. So, And, and here again, I bring up curling. The best. <laughs> no, no. The best. The
0: best is bobsled and uh, the snowboarding, the snowboard, the half pipe doing mm-hmm. the jumps. Those are my favorites to watch because they're just exciting. Mm-hmm. Okay. I was having this debate with somebody, and I'd like your take because I have a very strong opinion about this. I have a friend who is working. For like writing about the Olympics in American time, so we were talking yesterday about if an event is taking place Thursday in New York, but Friday in Pyeongchang, what do you what do you write in your? D-
1: there is a simple answer. It depends on if there's a dateline in the story That's or not.
0: That's what I said. I was like, the dateline should be Pyeongchang.
1: If the dateline is Pyongyang, if you're in Pyongyang writing about it and the dateline's Pyeongchang, then you talk about it in Pyeongchang time. If you're writing about it without a dateline, you write about it in the time of wherever your source is.
0: I just think it's confusing because somebody will be reading this and they'll say sean white on thursday won a gold medal but sean white will always say no on friday i won a gold medal mm. so we're
1: ruining the olympics for sean white
0: sorry sean white
2: well as a uh you know we have to fact check things from time to time and we always rely on historical newspaper accounts and whatnot i think if sean white earns a medal on february 12th then that's what you gotta write
0: right i agree all yeah. right now that we've solved that issue, <laughs> on to the Yankees. Yes, right. the Yankees. <laughs> we just finished signing off on the spring issue, Can You Believe It?, of Yankees Magazine 2018. Feels
2: good to get 2018 underway officially for us. I mean, I feel like, I don't know, there's just a sense of excitement about this season that is palpable. I mean, no matter who you talk to, whether it's coworkers here or fans outside the building, I mean, everybody is ready to get this season going. And uh, we certainly got our season going. (laughs) A uh, 200 plus page glossy magazine, ready to hit the press uh, in a matter of days here.
1: The first of three that we do in approximately a course of nine weeks Mm -hmm. every year around this time. uh, And this year we only did one spring magazine, so it was even a little easier. We usually do a separate spring training magazine but we combined them this year for everyone's benefit. Right. right.
2: Now, the folks down in Tampa will still get a little bit of a exclusive. An exclusive down in Tampa, there'll be a a, a commemorative cover on the version of the magazine that's sold at Steinbrenner Field during the spring training games and stuff. So, uh, we're really excited about that. We're not going to reveal quite yet what the cover looks like, but
0: leave a little mystery in your lives. Yeah,
2: you know, we can't give it all away here.
1: It's so funny though cuz Nate, I mean We'll get back to the issue in a second, but we were talking about this, I guess, last week or maybe even two weeks ago. Spring training is just so weird because we sit here now a couple days after the Super Bowl. It's that time when, you know, everyone's kind of like, oh, my God, you know, baseball is about to happen, and I think we're four days now or five days now from pitchers and catchers, and we're all going to come in, you know, standing a little straighter that day and feeling great, and then you just realize, like, it's six weeks until opening day. Yeah. <laughs> like, even once they start playing games, it's like, oh wait, they do five
2: weeks of these.
0: There's, there's a lot of these games. Yeah. <laughs> there are guys I've never heard of taking the field.
2: Yeah, but it's like the first of those kind of markers along the way. You know? There are a lot of things and
1: the world of working for baseball that I find difficult to understand. Primary among them is the beat writers who can do six weeks at spring training without going crazy and do it year after year after year. I mean, at least the players are training. <laughs> oh, but, you know, I mean, it's just every – the roller coaster, it's the same every year. It's just this moment right now when it's like baseball, 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 baseball. And then it's just like we're about three weeks away from baseball, baseball. <laughs> oh, yeah. So – you know, but we should enjoy this moment. We should bottle this energy and bring it out around March twelfth. Yeah, like well, can we get opening day?
2: I, I think we did attempt to to bottle that energy and that excitement. Uh, Solid segue with uh, <laughs> with this issue. I mean, folks have been saying that it's been sort of a slow moving uh, hot stove season. You know, there's a lot of free agents still out there who haven't signed with teams, but. The Yankees were certainly very active back in uh, early December, just in a span of days. A new manager and making a huge blockbuster trade that really kind of came out of nowhere for a lot of folks. I think there was plenty of rumblings that the Marlins were going to look to you know, move Giancarlo Stanton, but there were a lot of other teams who were being you know, viewed as the favorite to, to land him. But there we were at the winter meetings in December with our, our you know, our new manager and our, our new slugger. So uh, we certainly wanted to feature both those guys prominently in this first issue of the season. It's interesting to think back to the
1: years when the Yankees used to make trades like this, and you know, in the lead up, in the run up to these trades, you'd always think, uh, "This guy, he's going to be a Yankee. He's going to be a Yankee." And you still hear people talking about it sometimes with, you know, some of the players who are going to become free agents next year. But, every, I mean, everyone kind of, I think, knows that's just not how baseball works anymore. But this was just one of those old school Yankees moments of like, yeah, we can do this and we're going to do this. And right. the only it thing that cost us is money.
0: The Yankees just saying, this is the best player available. We want him. Let's go get him. And, and they did that.
1: Stealth. Like It just happened. It but was
0: it, a- it was a, a great circumstance for the Yankees because Giancarlo only wanted to play for four teams. And he turned down good offers for chances to play on potentially good teams but this is where he wanted to be and i think that said a lot and nate you talked a lot about that in your story too
2: yeah i mean he really i mean kind of only wanted to play for one team
0: (laughs) (laughs) he had four on his list yeah but there um, was only one he wanted
2: you know he had this this big 13 year mega deal that he signed after 2014 and after year three is when the salary really bumped up so that was when The Marlins' new ownership was like, okay, you know, we're looking to kind of wipe the slate clean, now's the time. But he had a no-trade clause, so they asked him for a list of teams, and, you know, they had deals in place. I mean, there were, like, announcements from other teams, from their general manager, their front office, saying, yes, we have a deal in place to acquire Giancarlo Stanton. And he went and met with them, sat down with them, had great meetings, was impressed, but he wanted to be a Yankee. And in the story, I kind of explain why it was so important for him to, to end up wearing the pinstripes.
0: I was really touched when he was at the Baseball Writers of America dinner in New York in late January. And this is a story I don't think anybody knew when he was talking about Jose Fernandez, who tragically died in a boating accident. And Jose Fernandez was this amazing pitcher, and he made this prediction that they were both going to wind up playing for the Yankees, and when he said that, I was like it really hit me like right in the heart. I was like, Wow, that's kind of incredible. And yeah. then the the dream, Jose Fernandez's dream, came true.
2: Yeah, I mean it's it's sad and it's incredible all at the same time. Um Giancarlo and Jose Fernandez, they were both all stars in twenty sixteen. And at the dinner, uh Giancarlo relayed this conversation that they had in the outfield at Petco Park where um jose said well first he said next year you're gonna hit 60 home runs and you're gonna win the mvp (laughs) and he went out and did just that coming up just one home run shy but
0: otherwise (laughs) right on the
2: nose but that was incredible in itself but then uh jose said listen there's probably gonna come a day here where it's gonna be time for me to move on and i'm gonna go to the yankees and you're coming with me you know stanton shared that story at the dinner uh just really incredible and uh I think that was those words, kind of that conversation just echoed in his mind, not only throughout his MVP season last year, but this past off season when it came time for him to move on from Miami. He remembered that conversation, and that was part of the reason why he, he made sure that uh, he ended up here in the Bronx. So we got some really cool photos of uh, Giancarlo from putting on the pinstripes for the first time. We got some exclusive photos at the dinner of, you know, just kind of behind the scenes stuff of him and uh, interacting with Aaron Boone and Aaron Judge. And I thought for this story, it was important not just to uh, give some insight into how and why he became a Yankee, but um, also give a little bit of, you know, insight into what kind of impact he's going to have here. I tried to talk to people about how he was sort of regarded as a teammate and stuff in Miami. And every single report is positive. Like you really, you'd be hard pressed to find anybody say anything other than just wonderful things about him in the clubhouse as a leader, uh, his work ethic, just on and on and on. And then I also, you know, I was curious when we officially acquired uh, Stanton, it was December 11th, which happened to be the anniversary of the day that the Yankees acquired Roger Maris in 1959 so i was curious to see what sort of parallels may have existed uh, other than the fact that they were uh, acquired on the same day and i think that the um the pairing of Roger Maris and Mickey Mantle and how those two you know really gelled right off the bat in 1960 was worth kind of exploring, and just for for Yankees fans who are around to see the Mantle and Maris days, it'll be interesting and exciting to see Stanton and Judge together in the same lineup and and see what kind of damage these guys can do, because I know just batting practice is going to be fun to watch with these guys, let alone what they're capable of doing in games.
0: John, you put together a pretty cool chart that appears in Yankees magazine of like the best power duos of all time, and I think... Judge and Stanton might make a run at one of those records.
1: Well, I mean, if you if you put them on the same team last year, they hit 111 home runs combined, which would have been the second highest total of all time, behind obviously Mandel and Maris. It's gonna be a. F- <laughs> <laughs> I I don't know what you do if you're pitching to them. I'm actually, you know, Nate, you made me think of one thing. You say the way he's gonna fit right in here. I've actually, I'm actually. Say one of the things I'm most curious about with spring training, and then certainly when they get back here, is where do you put Stanton's locker? And the reason I asked, I this, was thinking that too. you can't put him next to Judge because there's no room there, there's not just because they're giant people, but because you can't put the two people who attract all the reporters next to each other, mm-hmm. they won't be able to sit. So, like, do you have to put him with a pitcher? Like, with Certainly the a fire pitchers? hazard.
0: He's got to go. I think they've got to be on opposite ends of that row. <laughs> I kind
1: of wonder, yeah. yeah. But it, 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 You know, I mean, it's like kind of, I'm, I'm saying this mostly tongue-in-cheek. I'm actually very curious about it, though, because, like, you think, like, oh, let's put these two guys together. They're probably great friends. And not to say anything of Judge's relationship with Ronald Torreya, so I think he was next to this past year. Yeah. Um, but it's just, you Tyler know. Tyler Austin was in there, too. Yeah. It's just, you know. <laughs> you have this idea in your head of like Judge and Stan and kind of like arm and arm hanging out all the time together so they better not be next to each other for, from a practical perspective that's not going to work.
2: Well you know the Yankees did have to part with an all-star second baseman in Starlin Castro to get Stan and you know Castro was over I think right next to Didi, to Didi down the yeah. row a little bit so maybe that's where they slot him in I don't know you, that is a good question it'll be they interesting to see. They should just have
0: like a, a lottery like forget just, <laughs> just mix them up let's see where they land
2: I will say one
1: thing the Yankees a lot of other teams um, you see language clicks in how their lockers are set up and you actually never see that with the Yankees which I think is a, a cool thing they do. I yeah, think
0: it's... everybody's kind of mixed in together. It's really nice and, and the guys are always mingling with each other yeah. at each other's lockers. It's a very cool, very very chill clubhouse.
2: And I like how they, they reserve the two lockers closest to the Media off limits area, the showers and whatnot to the for the veterans, you know that was like that's the prime real estate there. Cc so. and Guardi
0: get those CC guys. Cc and Guardi get those. <laughs> and so the John Carlos Stanton feature you wrote, Nathan, and then our editor in chief, Alversanis Siri, wrote about Aaron Boone. Who Al spent time with Boone on his first official day as Yankees manager when he did his introductory press conference. He spent some time with reporters. He Went all around the stadium, and I think it was a really cool look at Boone and how he came from this baseball family and is now thrust into this kind of crazy situation that not many people can can handle, and he's going to be thrown right into the fire. So
1: that was a whirlwind day, man. Mm. That was that started early, you know, and and you get the impression that you know that's probably one of the bigger days of Aaron Boone's life, so he probably didn't mind it, you know. But man, it just seemed like Jason Zillow, the team's. uh, head of PR, just kept on kind of announcing to the media or to, you know, the staff, the next thing that Aaron would be doing, um, including, as uh, Al mentions in the story, walking around the front office and taking some time to introduce himself to the lowly writers and editors of Yankees Magazine to say nothing of the group sales team and, you know, the IT people. It was a ni- it was a nice touch that he made. Uh, one thing that didn't make it into Al's story, but was one of my favorite things from that week. Is Later that week was actually the Yankees holiday party, which, you know, I guess began at like 2 or 3 o'clock or something like that. And I remember, I think it was with Nate, that we were walking down to it. And a couple doors down from where we sit is the human resources department. Yeah. And we're walking past and the doors open. And Aaron Boone is in the human resources department. And you think to yourself on the one hand, like... You would imagine, like, he has a manager's office. You would imagine an HR person might go down to him. But this idea that, like, Aaron Boone has to go to HR. He's got to sign his paperwork, Just like the
0: rest of us did. Give them them his passport to prove that he's Aaron Boone.
2: (laughs) No, literally. Going over sick days and overtime and whatnot. (laughs) (laughs) How many days off do I get during this? Oh, none. Okay, gotcha.
0: Zero? Okay, cool. Gotcha.
2: So there was
1: just a funny little, you know... Again, you know, we joked at the beginning of this, Russell Wilson, our coworker, you know, there are some funny times when you do run into some of these things when you're like, oh, yeah, you know, we do go to work at the same place
2: every day. We
0: Sometimes they're in the hallways and you just see them. And,
2: and Aaron Boone was great about having our photographers kind of trail him throughout the entire day. So we've got a lot of really great shots of those moments. And, you know, in the story, I like how Al kind of, uh, it's a whirlwind day, but he kind of takes a breath when they get to that manager's office for the first time, and he stops and he, like, reads the sign, you know, Yankee's manager's office. Such a
1: great picture, too.
2: Yeah, and so we got a great picture of him standing there. That was when I think Boone just really took a deep breath and was like, wow, this is a special day. This is a special moment right here.
0: And the energy is is up. In the story, Al mentions, they walk over to Heritage Field, and cars are honking, and Mm -hmm. everybody's kind of giving Boone his well well wishes. And obviously in new york the tides can change real quick but like right now everybody's excited to see what he's gonna do
1: he's only gonna be the second manager in that office it's kind of hard to believe that the entire life of this stadium there's been one yankees manager and we're just getting our second one here now you hope obviously that aaron boone is going to be the manager for the next 10 years
2: realistically who knows i mean that's just not the way things usually go he certainly, uh, you know, surrounded himself with with a great coaching staff. You know, the Yankees announced, announced all the coaches this week. And, you know, he also has the little added benefit of having a really special place in Yankees lore. I mean, you know, we, we talked about this last year around this time when we were putting together the home run commemorative and we were debating the top 10 homers in Yankees history. And for me, I think I said at the time, I mean, I could live to be 200 years old and I don't think I will ever experience a moment as a sports fan as incredible as the night of Game 7 of the 2003 ALCS when Boone hit the homer. So, you know, I think that certainly endears him already off the bat to fans as opposed to if they brought in somebody with no Yankees ties. He's
0: got some goodwill built up already.
2: Yeah, but the thing that stood out to me from his press conference and in this story is that as – as much as that moment means to him, and he's embraced it, and he understands you know, what it means to so many people for so many different reasons, the thing that kind of sticks in his mind from his brief tenure as a player for the Yankees is not the home run, but the series after that the Yankees lost. and he, you know, he remembers probably just as vividly as the home run, maybe even more so watching the Marlins celebrate on the field at Yankee Stadium in the World Series and what still irks him that the Yankees weren't able to to finish things off that year and I think that's going to really, you know, drive him as we move forward here.
1: That is one of the greatest moments in recent franchise history, certainly one that doesn't involve a World Series parade that you just mentioned. There's a lot of goodwill that he has that you know, will benefit him if things don't go great but you also you hope he gets to keep it because you'd hate to see that moment get ruined in any way <laughs> um, you know by anything changing I, I think it was a really good look by Al at a interesting day first of many and just there's a lot of you know real soul searching in there I felt by Aaron about just I'm telling you like I mean I I, I believe I can do this mm-hmm. and the idea from Cashman saying like I'm t- I'm trusting my instincts on this
0: Coming up in the April issue, I did a, a lengthy Q&A with Brian, and we talked a lot about Aaron Boone, and I asked him, is this what you expected? And he said, no, of course not. Before the process started, I never would have predicted Aaron Boone would be our manager, but I think he just trusted his gut, and he trusted Aaron, and he trusted everything that he saw, and he was blown away by Aaron Boone.
1: So if you look at the two lead stories, if you will, in our spring issue— Aaron Boone and Giancarlo Stanton. If you can put yourself in a moment after the Yankees lost game seven at the ALCS last year, if I told you each of those two things would happen, which one would you have thought was possible and which one wouldn't you have?
0: Giancarlo Stanton would have been more possible to me than Aaron Boone. I would have, hmm. I would have been surprised and I was surprised that Joe Girardi wouldn't be back and that they would hire somebody to replace Joe Girardi who had absolutely no experience. That is more surprising to me than Giancarlo Stanton showing up in pinstripes.
2: It's funny like looking back now I think Stanton is more surprising but if you had asked me at the time I I think I would agree with you but and yeah I don't know that's that's a good question.
0: It's gonna be exciting to watch I'm very intrigued I can't wait to see what happens I think we'll have some more spring training predictions coming right up also coming up joining John Carlos Denton and Aaron Judge and Brett Gardner etc 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 in the crowded outfield is Aaron Hicks and we have an exclusive interview with Aaron Hicks done by Al Sanisiri again he went out to Arizona to talk to Aaron we're going to give you some clips of Al's talk with Aaron Hicks about his offseason, his goals for this season, playing center field in the craziest playoffs that we've seen in a long time. It's a pretty cool interview, so stick around for that. People have been talking about Aaron Hicks's potential since he was a first round draft pick in two thousand eight. Yankees fans saw flashes of that potential last year, but unfortunately, injuries limited the outfielders' playing time. Hicks made it back on the field in time for the postseason though, and he started every Yankees playoff game in center field. Yankees Magazine editor-in-chief Al Sanasiri visited with Hicks this offseason in Arizona to discuss how the outfielder was looking to build on the success he did have in 2017 and what his ultimate goals are. Here's a bit of that conversation.
3: Besides getting a fresh start and a change of scenery when you came to the Yankees, what were your feelings on joining an organization with the history that the Yankees have? Was that something that was exciting to you?
4: When the initial move was made, I was kind of shocked that I'd been traded. At that time, uh, you know, we had just missed making the playoffs, and I thought that we were headed in the right direction with Minnesota. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, and then I got traded to New York, and kind of became like a uh, thing where I had to figure out, you know, how can I get into the lineup every day? but of course, when you know when you think of the New York Yankees, you're thinking of a you know a historic team that's done great things um, for this sport, and you think about the fans that, that come with it. So for, for me, it just it all kind of came together once I got to camp. You yeah. know, before yeah. camp, you, you know it's kind of you don't really know that many right, people, right. And, and it's kind of like a weird place. You've also taken
3: over the center field position. Mm. What does playing position that position for the Yankees with all the storied history? Names like DiMaggio, Mantle and even Bernie Williams, what do those names mean
4: to you uh, I mean it, it means a lot you know i mean those those are guys that did great things for for the Yankees franchise, and I want to be the next one to do great things for the Yankees franchise and I, w- I want to play the position just as just as good as they were or even even better yeah. you know and um you know that's what uh, what I strive for every year to be able to to do play a position as best as i can and and have my team win. How beneficial do you think it was, one, for you, but also for the core group
3: of young players who really didn't have any postseason experience before this, Mm -hmm. to get to play in essentially 13 Games, a lot of them, which were really heart-pounding games. Mm -hmm. But I'll I'll ask just about yourself: How beneficial do you think that is going into next year for you, and then also for the whole group?
4: I would say it was big. You know, it was was definitely an amazing experience, and you feel like everything that's done in those games is is magnified to specifically you: how they're going to attack you pitching, and how they're going to attack you and get you out, and the importance of playing every game every pitch, every out, everything counts. Yeah. And I think for me, that was what's, you know, just to be able to have that experience, to be able to play in that situation. And as far as our team, I feel like that that loss made us stronger as a team. Mm-hmm. You know, as much as that, I mean, that, as much as that, that hurt for yeah. us, but I feel like that, that brought us together and made us an even stronger. T- and that's why this upcoming year, like, I feel like it's going to be a big year for us because we are... Because that lost brought us together. Mm-hmm. You know, we realized that being a team is more important than other people's success. You know, sure. just the fact that we were able to be together and be a team is going to be big. And I think it's going to be transitioned well.
3: What was it like to play in that game five? Game five?
4: So, so against? A, yeah, when you went in back India. to Cleveland. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it was amazing. I mean, it's kind of it, it literally had the same feel. As if we were playing uh, against Minnesota, because you have to win the game if you want to continue to play. Right, and we had already been in that we would already been in that position before. So, mm-hmm. and also we were extremely confident with having CC out there. You know, CC has pitched a lot of games in Cleveland. He's very comfortable there, and he he was a guy that. Was like our stopper, and uh, you know, and that was what we needed.
3: What are your thoughts on, on last year when you had a, a little time to kind of think about it and reflect on it?
4: I mean, pretty much that I just need to figure out a way to be able to stay on the field a lot longer. You know, my, my goal this year is to be able to play, you know, up to 140, 150 games this year and be able to be uh, a dependable guy to, to play center field every day. You
3: made a lot of changes, I would say, at the beginning of this offseason. You
4: mm-hmm. hired a trainer you moved a
3: trainer in with you Mm -hmm. you know the decision to to make that move where did that come from and why now
4: uh because i need to figure out a way to stay healthy Mm -hmm. um it's my most important thing and i want to be able to be a better player than i was last year to do that i gotta do the right things i gotta eat right i gotta i gotta work out to to a point where i become stronger and healthier and essentially have a to have him with me during this off season has been huge for me. You know, um, I've been pushed a lot harder than I've ever been pushed and you know, I think this is something that I needed. Uh, towards like the the end of my my second oblique injury, I was like, man, I need a trainer for the off season that can, can really push me and, and guide me in the right direction. It was essentially for me it was all about, you know, getting the right person to, to train me the right way. I want to be able to be dependable. I want to be able to have Booney know that I can go every day, as hard as I, you know, as hard as I can every single day for, for months. You know, I don't want I don't want him to think that okay, I think I might have to give him a day off here to to rest him up to make sure we, you know, I don't I don't want that. I want to be able to play every single day, and I want to man center field and and be a guy that's dependable day in and day out. How is the anticipation for this spring training compared to other years? Are you looking forward to it more than you did in? other years i think it's the same every year i mean i feel like it's just a little bit different i feel like this year i'm more self-driven mm-hmm. in it instead of you know i feel like i have to i'm worried about a spot on the team you know what i'm right. saying like it's it's a different i want to have myself do amazing goals at, at the same time i want to be the best the best player the my best self for my team mm-hmm. you know um like I was saying, like my whole thing this offseason is to stay healthy the whole year, right? And and I feel like if we, in doing that it would be the best player for me for my team. Do you think after you're done with baseball, there's a definitely golf? <laughs> <laughs> you know, <what> ask you. <laughs> yeah, tell definitely. me about it. Um,
3: like, tell me what you want to do in that sport, and 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 what your your thoughts are on
4: it. I mean, I don't even want to. I I just want to To be able to kind of play just to, just to play, you know. Yeah. Um, if anything, I'd like to you know try to play professionally, but uh, I know that'd be a, a long road to be able to get there. But I just would, I just would like to see and kind of try to do both, you know. Mm-hmm. See if I can play baseball at a professional level, and then also try to get to the PGA. But I know with that it's gonna be you know be a, you know a long road. And but at the same time, I I mean that's just something that I've always wanted to do.
0: before we go to tampa john you went also to arizona where aaron hicks spends his off season but you weren't talking aaron hicks you were a little bit more deep in the weeds of the prospect system
1: down on the farm yeah so it's my second year going to the arizona fall league you know was just such a weird time because you know we booked our flight basically the day after you know the team it was either like you know, are we going to the World Series or are we going to the Arizona Fall League? And, you know...
0: <laughs> there was one preference, but yeah. it's okay. Either way.
1: The, the Arizona Fall League is a pretty great fallback. No pun intended. Um, one thing that I found interesting this year, and this is kind of what I get into in the story, and we'll talk about the individual players in a second. So after the 2016 season, you know, you went there, and it was just eye-opening how strong the top of the Yankees farm system was. And then you go this year... It was a really strong group again. You know, they didn't have Glaber Torres there or anything like that, but they had Estevan Florial, they had Justice Sheffield, they had Albert Abreu. It was a really solid group, but at the same time the impression you got or that I got leaving was, man, the Yankees are super good at the major league level right now. And also, by the way, like if anything goes wrong, these guys are also kind of there. But it's nice to see them and not need them right away.
0: I mean, I think you're gonna see some of them in twenty eighteen for sure, I think. A few of them are definitely knocking on the door. What were your impressions of them? How close did you think they were?
1: I think probably the most impressive thing I saw, only because it was a guy I didn't know at all, Cody Carroll, um, a relief pitcher, was really, really strong. A big guy, looked good. His numbers in Arizona were awesome. Obviously, if you look at players who tend to make their way up a little earlier, relief pitchers, you know, there's a good chance for Cody Carroll to be contributing fairly soon. So, so he was he was eye opening to see just because like, again, he you know there were guys when I got there whose names I knew very well, and Cody Carroll, I would not say was one of them. Um, the person everyone was talking about when I got there. Was Albert Breu. Breu came over in the deal for McCann, which no one really talked. That that deal at the time was basically, you know, we're getting we have
0: Gary Sanchez now, so. right?
1: We, you know, and God bless Brian McCann. Everyone loved him, but we don't need him. Let's just you know find a team that'll take him. Well, it turns out you know he won a World Series in Houston,
0: and we and, got Albert Breu, and it's fine.
1: Yeah, and Albert Breu is just. He was awesome. He was the guy that the scouts were talking about. He was the guy the players were talking about. He's not there yet. He's wild. He's raw, but he was impressive. Justice Sheffield, on the flip side of that, very ready. I write about this in the story. He's very mild-mannered off the field. He's very uh, nice is a weird word to say in this case, but he just he just is very nice. He's very friendly, and he's very easy to talk to. But everyone on the team says that when he's pitching, he's like a closer. He's super intense. That was a pretty, pretty awesome thing to see.
0: It's cool that you give kind of short previews of these guys in the story so fans can look forward to that. But a lot of these guys are also going to be in spring training, so you'll be able to see them down there. And spring in Tampa, it is an exciting time, but so is winter in Tampa. There's a lot of stuff that goes on down there, and we have stories about that, too. What do we have, Nate? Tell us about
2: it. Yeah, so for the folks who pick up the, uh, the spring training program at Steinbrenner Field, I think there's a number of stories in here that will appeal to them. There's a, a nice piece about some of the community efforts by the Yankees during the off season that, John, you wrote. Really interesting piece, I thought, about the fantasy camps that occur each winter in Tampa. Our associate editor, Thomas Golianopoulos, went down and really spent a lot of time at the men's camp and the women's camp and uh, came back with a great story, you know, really like dives into the campers and and what brings them there and what keeps them coming back. I didn't realize, you know, so many people go like multiple times.
0: Repeat campers is a big deal.
2: So it's just a really great article. It It was emotional. I mean, the stories that
1: these people told him of their motivation and, you know, their goals. I don't know how the baseball itself was, but the stories were certainly amazing.
0: Some really just emotional stories, some deep, deep motivations on why these men and women sign up for these fantasy camps and continue to sign up for the fantasy camps. It's it's about the people. And that's what Thomas wrote about. And I think it's a really compelling story.
2: Yeah, I really liked it. You know, there's like some mention of the, you know, the former Yankees who come down and, and they act as coaches and instructors. But really, the focus is about the camaraderie and, you know, the relationships that get made down there. So I think folks will really enjoy reading that whether they're down in Tampa or anywhere. And, you know, of course, while we're all super psyched for the 2018 season. We couldn't let a publication go by without some remembrance of the incredible 2017 postseason run uh, that the Yankees had, particularly the games here at Yankee Stadium. So a little bit of inside publishing, you know, what we do each October that the Yankees are fortunate enough to be in the postseason, we plan for you know, a World Series parade, and we plan to release a commemorative edition of Yankees magazine. The
0: goal for every department is the World Series, so we operate under that assumption just as much as the players do.
2: Right. So, in 2009, when we did win it all, we had been planning this commemorative issue so that, you know, we could get it out there as soon as possible after the the end of the World Series. So, you know, night after night during the playoff games, everybody's, you know, it's all hands on deck. We're in the clubhouse before and after games. We're reporting. We come in the next day. We're writing up recaps of the games and sidebars and, you know, everything that's going to be in this hopefully commemorative issue. But when things, you know, when we don't make it that far, all that work just kind of gets scrapped to an extent. So we held on to uh, the write-ups that we had from the ALDS and the Wild Card Game and the ALCS. And then on top of that, we had thousands of incredible images that were taken by our photographers during that run. And um, although we fell short of the ultimate goal, it was still a really, really memorable time here. So we wanted to capture that and and memorialize that and put it in print so that this year and years from now, you can pick up Yankees magazine and look back and just remember what what a fun time it was here. You know, really the focus of this feature is just trying to encapsulate the the atmosphere at Yankee Stadium during those playoff games last year.
1: And it was emotional going back through some of those photos, too. I mean, just the memories for me of the stadium during game four of the alcs Uh, Mm -hmm. that's going to be one of those things those weird things that sticks with me forever because you you don't have a good end to the series but looking back through that and thinking back through that this this might sound cheesy or silly whatever you know every day something amazing can happen when you're at a baseball game and when you work for a baseball team in the season every day can be something that you know changes a lot but when you come to work every day during the postseason you know that day no matter what happens that game that's a game that you know you can always look up and remember exactly what happened in that game. You can always find it, and going back through some of those pictures and my own memories of those, um, it was just a it was an awesome postseason run that shouldn't in any way be forgotten or thought less of because a very young team that came of age a little early didn't necessarily have the exact perfect ending that everyone wanted.
0: Yeah, I mean, we didn't win the World Series, and that's sad. But I will cherish the memories of the 2017 postseason it was my first deep postseason run working with the yankees and like john looking back at those photos it put me immediately back into the press box and how i was feeling during that one nothing game Mm -hmm. when greg bird hit that solo home run and and the stadium erupted like i've never seen or heard it before it was and the pictures tell a great story it is an incredible incredible thing to look at the picture and remember exactly how you were feeling and exactly how the stadium felt and i think that fans looking through these photos are gonna be able to feel that too
2: it was a total labor of love choosing the photos for this photo essay i couldn't help it there was so many to choose from had so many great images to choose from and you know you want to make it compelling from a visual standpoint you know you don't want a lot of similar types of shots. You want to, of course, commemorate the big moments. And then you also wanna just convey the feeling in the stadium during these things. So there's a, a really, I think, a good array of fan shots and tight shots of players after big moments. And I think we had four photographers on staff for each one of those games. and. All of them are amazing. Think back to, the, you mentioned that that the, the Greg Bird home run in, in game three of the ALDS against Cleveland. Well, the home run came in the seventh. In the sixth inning, Aaron Judge made that incredible catch at the wall in right field where he goes up and over, you know, robs Francisco Lindor of the home run. You know, we had that covered from four different angles with dozens of shots just in a span of like two seconds. So imagine trying to choose the best shot from all of those. It was really challenging, but really fun. <laughs>
0: It's an incredible photo essay, and it is designed impeccably. And I think the the fans, when you pick up this magazine, I, it should be one of the first things you flip through because it is. It's really just a. It's just fun to go through it and remember and to be hopeful because I don't think in 2017, if we were making predictions, that I would have said, "Oh yeah, we'll be in the game seven of the ALCS. That's definitely going to happen." Hmm. Um, But let's make some bold predictions now. Give me your boldest spring training prediction, John.
1: My boldest spring training prediction is, I think when we come out of spring training, I think Miguel Andahar is our third baseman. I think that our offense is just so strong right now that you kind of do have a little bit of time to try to work someone out there a little bit and give him a chance. I, however, do not think Gleber Torres is our second baseman when spring training breaks, I think that he'll come up. You know, he's going to take a month or two of uh, recovery in minor in the minors after the surgery he had last year. I don't know how bold either of those predictions I are. I don't by know the way. about that, Nate.
0: What do, what do you got?
2: <laughs> I'm going to go out on a limb here and say that Giancarlo Stanton puts one over the scoreboard at GMS Field.
0: My prediction is similar to your prediction. <laughs>
2: Again, I don't know how bold that is, but it's certainly something that I think myself and the other folks in attendance down there will be keeping an eye on.
0: My spring training prediction doesn't have to do with spring training. It has to do with the season as a whole. I think at some point this season, one of these Yankees is going to hit a home run. That is... Very nearly going to leave the stadium.
2: Very nearly.
0: I don't think it'll leave, but I think it's going to get close.
2: <laughs> I mean, that
1: shot that Judge hit last year that went, what, 495? The one that landed at the top of the bleachers That had a left. long
0: way to go oh, yeah. to leave the stadium. I, think I know, that's the thing. These guys are all righties. So I said a bold there. prediction. All right, all right, This is bold. <laughs>
2: Okay, I like it. Yeah, so if you are down at Steinbrenner Field for spring training, be sure to pick up a copy of the program that's on sale there. And uh, if you're a subscriber to Yankees Magazine, keep an eye on your mailbox in March because your first issue will be arriving then. And if you're uh, one of our new subscribers who took advantage of our holiday offer, you can expect to find a voucher inside along with your first issue, which you can go ahead and redeem online for two tickets to a Yankee game at Yankee Stadium in 2018.
0: So don't forget to follow us on Twitter. We're at Yanks Magazine. Email us. We want to hear what your thoughts are. Podcast at Yankees.com. We have a new feed. What's the What's the website, John?
1: Well, it's, it's Yankees.com, it's slash, yankees.com podcast, slash podcast. we now have an exclusive Yankees Magazine feed, not just the regular Yankees feed. You should stay subscribed to the Yankees feed to get stuff you know, about every game. But if you just want our delightful conversations, you should sign up for the Yankees Magazine podcast
0: and like subscribe us rate us we want to hear your thoughts on everything that we're doing so we can get better we want to bring you the best content ever so let us know thanks guys and we'll talk to you soon